to another episode of Shades Midweek. I'm John Mark. I'm here in the studio hanging out with Brad and Jonathan this afternoon. Um, Jonathan is back. Uh, if you saw the Sunday service, this was the first Sunday back in two weeks. He probably has some exciting stories to share with us from his time away. Jonathan, why don't you take take it away? Well, I I mean, first I'd just like to talk about you know the uh, the intro to the couple of episodes while I was gone. There was uh, no there boy. were there oh were some boy. things said. What are you talking about? There were some things done. <laughs> so let's just say I can't wait for one of you boys to be on vacation. <laughs> Turnabout is fair play. Jonathan, we don't know what you're talking about. We are just so thrilled that you're <laughs> back here. We've missed you so much. That's all I remember talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Two episodes. Whatever. Yeah, is our affection for you. Well, boys, I am very <laughs> glad to be back because uh, my my time away was not what we would normally call uh, restful. Yeah. Um, Tell us about your relaxing vacation. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, so everybody knows we had our first Sunday this past Sunday where we reopened. Uh, so I was gone for two weeks leading up to that. Well, obviously, we had a lot we had to talk about and work through and all that. So, you know, there was... <laughs> There was a sense in which we kept talking the entire time I was gone because we had to, you know, be involved in those decisions and conversations together. But then I shared on Sunday briefly that uh, vacation basically ended with my van dying. It 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 bit the bullet. Yeah, we think that van was demonically possessed. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> it is true. Ironically, up to that point, the van had caused us a lot of very weird problems, but never cost us a lot of money. <laughs> but but at the end of this vacation, it said, you know what? You want to keep me around? It's it's going to cost you a ton. So, uh, which is the worst place to be in with a car. Yeah, and, and we were in Virginia, you know? Yeah. So, so um, so the, the short version, without going through all the details, is we ended up uh, trading the van in to CarMax, who was actually very generous with what they gave us. Um, and we, we drove to Maryland <laughs> to buy a car. Um, it was just, as one does, right? As one does, in Alabama natural yeah. vacation move. It was it was just a blur, and so but we ended up only coming home one day later than we had anticipated. So so that was good, and and now we are the proud owners of a Dodge Grand Caravan. So you know, my wife's very happy about it. My bank account is not. <laughs> <laughs> so my my monthly budget's yelling at me, but yeah, we're just we're we're really glad to to be home and it was good to be back on sunday and in so many ways um and uh and we, we only had like 40 people in the room but compared to the past couple of months that's a that's a packed house yeah <laughs> um, totally so uh but it, it was it was good kind of a good first sunday uh trying to to be back in some form uh, for those of you who who don't know, we are continuing to offer the the live stream. It's actually been upgraded with better sound and video quality. Uh, John Mark and the whole uh, media team have worked very hard on that, and uh, but it's streaming solely through our YouTube channel now. But that continues to be available for people who want to continue to worship with us from home during this season. Uh, but for right now, in the foreseeable future, we uh, we have reopened, and it was just really nice to to look up. And not be staring at a phone, but to actually see faces. John Mark, was that was that a nice change for you? <laughs> yeah, it was really nice, mm-hmm. really nice for sure. And it was nice to actually have the live stream sound really good, as opposed <laughs> to what it's been sounding like. <laughs> what do you mean? Which it hasn't been terrible, but you know, you you all know who've watched <laughs> it that are listening right now. You know what I'm talking about. Enough said. Oh, well. Anyway, all right. Well, that's enough banter. I think we've warmed up a bit. 
Why don't we dive right into the topic for today? What is that topic? Brad? Well, Jonathan, you made a statement. Uh-oh. Yes, you made a statement in your sermon this past Sunday about social media. And that is what our conversation is going to revolve around today. So why don't we begin with you telling us what is the statement that you made <laughs> about social media? I would like deniability here. I've I've never talked about social media on well, Sunday. Well, now we have it on podcast and we have oh. it on video. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, that is true. <laughs> that is true. It's out there. Oh man, we ha okay, before we move on, I have to talk about this. We've made so many jokes about uh the fact that now that we have a uh, a video live stream, uh we're going to end up on worship fails at some time, at some point. John Mark, do you want to explain <laughs> to our listeners what worship fails is and why they should go look it up? Yeah, worship yeah. fails is an Instagram page, speaking of social media, <laughs> and you can go look at it. Uh I guess they find different worship bands on Sunday morning that have very pr bad predicaments happen, whether they're hitting really terrible notes on the guitar or maybe they're at a bigger church that has auto-tune on the vocals and the person running the auto-tune has turned it to the wrong key, so it sounds terribly <laughs> off-key. Uh, there are times where they're hitting an, a track that they're playing with and it's the wrong track or it's in the wrong key or a drum shield falls on the drummer. I mean, there are so many things, and so we're just waiting for our moment to shine what, on one that of, page. One of my favorite moments I've ever seen is uh, when the, the, the guy that's leading worship, he's playing keys, and the keyboard <laughs> stand just collapses. <laughs> yep, yep, in the middle of a song. Well, well, what I love about it is it's churches kind of laughing at themselves because I right, think right. they send it in to the profile right. and say, hey, post this video of <laughs> right. me messing it's up. It's like an like America's Funniest Home Videos yeah. for Churches kind of thing. Yes, totally. Um, and it's great. There are some bigger churches, too. There's some well-known uh, worship leaders that are on there as well, so it's pretty funny. Yeah. So you should go <laughs> check it out. And now, but we, now that's all we talk about yeah. now. We're so afraid that <laughs> something bad is going to happen well, on Sunday morning. Now that we've told the whole congregation about it, they're all going to be very anxious to submit something. Totally. Okay. All right. So back to <laughs> the general theme of social media. Yeah, it was on topic. It was it on, on topic. topic. Okay. So so here's the the statement that I made. Um, I said uh, I'm just going to read it here. I said, could it be uh, our Bible uh, is the news, our discipler is Facebook or Instagram, and our gospel is whatever I think is good news for me. Have we married Christianity with our culture of self-sufficiency? So basically, with regard to social media, I was uh, asking this, this rhetorical question of, is this the, the thing that we are allowing to serve as our primary discipler mm -hmm. in, our, in our life? Yeah, so maybe we can start with you elaborating a little bit more on that. How does social media disciple us? Yeah, well, so discipleship, I mean, it, it comes from the word discipline. We talked about this a little bit on Sunday as well, and discipline is correctional and directional. So, And that's what discipleship is. When you're discipling another person, you're helping them to see the direction they should be traveling in life for us, the direction, the way of Christ, and you're correcting when they go a different direction. So that's what a discipler does. They direct, they correct. Um, and in a, I can't imagine how that would apply to social media. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. In a, in a large sense, like this is what maybe not what social media uh, started out to be. 
Um, at least when, you know, when I remember it back in the good old innocent days when it was first coming about. Um, when it was just mediocre pictures of food, you yes, know? Yeah, it was, just <laughs> it was, it was great. <laughs> yeah, um, do you remember when Facebook used to just be your name and it was just like John Mark is and right. then you would just put in the thing. For John your Mark is eating at Waffle House. Right. Right. <laughs> that's what it, that's all it used to be. That's what it was. Is happy. Yeah. <laughs> is happy. <laughs> or is currently listening to. Or we could go back even for we could go back to MySpace days if no, we want to talk about No, see John, I didn't have a MySpace. Yeah, I had MySpace too. Uh, John Mark had to have MySpace being in bands. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. Oh boy. Sorry. This is going to be a long one. I know we're going to get off topic so many times. <laughs> But anyway, but I mean, social media has has much more turned into uh, a platform through which people are uh, sharing their thoughts on any number of subjects in life, whether yeah. it be uh, politics, parenting, uh, health, in uh, eating culture, and and I mean just whatever, pick, yeah. pick, medicine, yada yep. yada yada yada. Companies um, have a profile. News channels have a profile. Right. Everybody has a profile. Right. Everybody has a presence. And and everybody is trying to use everybody's preaching yes um that, that was actually the, the title of my sermon when i came back from sabbatical last year this is kind of what i was oh, talking yeah. about yeah. i remember that yeah everybody's yeah. preaching everybody is trying to preach their own gospel uh their own good news their own version of this is what will make you happy this is what will be the good life let us direct you to that or let us correct you from what will will take away from that and so Social media is very much trying to disciple us. Um, mm-hmm. It's trying to give us a lens through which we view the world and ourselves. I mean, that's what the Bible does. The, the Bible, God's word, gives us a lens through which this is how you should see the world. Like, no matter how things look, this is what God says about what's actually going on in the world. No matter how you feel about yourself, this is what God says about who you are and who you've been created to be. And this is what social media does. It it tries to replace that lens. That's that's a discipler. And mm. and we even use like social media itself uses terminology that owns up to that. Um the most popular personalities on social media platforms are known as influencers. Mm. Influencers aim to influence. Yeah. You aim we do. We do this. Yeah. Us, us influencers over here. <laughs> But well, and honestly, uh, and Christians do this too. You yeah. know, whether it's whether it's churches using social media or individual Christians or whoever, uh, everybody on social media now is aiming to influence. And one of the things that I think is really important that Christians should take into account with how they use their social media platforms uh, is James three, and verse one. The warning in James three one: Not many of you should become teachers. Because do you not know that teachers will be judged with a stricter judgment? I mean, mm-hmm. to, to put that in perspective, on the average Sunday when I preach, I'm preaching to what? Two, two to three hundred folks? Something in that range? Ish. Ish. The, the average like person on social media has way, way more followers than that. But mm-hmm. they don't think of themselves as they send out whatever they're talking about or posting about as preaching to these people and potentially like like it it, it doesn't process that way but yet that's what they're doing that's what we're doing and we've been warned about doing that very thing we need to take it very seriously like when when i preach on sundays i mean i've been laboring you you know this from preaching brad you you labor over what you're going to say 
you sweat it out, you, you pray through it. You know, do we do the same thing as we type a tweet or yeah. post a pic to Instagram? Do we think about the weightiness of what we're actually doing when we're trying to influence other people? Do we think mm. about the weightiness of that from a Christian perspective? So, yeah. So, mm. I mean, it, it, it has this discipling influence, this shaping influence on people's lives solely just by the amount of time people spend on it and the fact that it can become addictive as well. Um, If you invest that much time in anything, whether it be in scripture, whether it be in social media, whether it be in cable news, whatever it is, that thing becomes a discipler, a shaper of how you see the world and how you see yourself. Yeah. So, but before I like get way negative, on social media, and people may already be like, you've gotten too negative as it is. Uh, before we go down that route, I thought maybe we could talk uh, for a moment about some of the positives of social media, because there are uh, positive things. So uh, I'll get us started. So just two quick, it, it kind of easy positives, I guess. I'm, I'm going to hit the softballs right here. <laughs> are, uh, one, uh, the ability to connect with other people. I mean, mm. y- you can connect with people uh rapidly um no matter where they are where they're located you can connect with you know people consistently so i mean there there's a positive to that you know there's a positive to any technology that allows us to connect with others there was a positive to the telephone when it was first invented positive to increased travel i mean these things come with their own negatives their own consequences but i definitely think that's a positive mm-hmm. uh especially the second one that i would would mention as uh, it allows us to connect with people uh over long distance, people who we otherwise wouldn't be um, able to be involved in their lives. So for me personally, uh, that's huge when it comes to my family. Uh, none of my family, outside of obviously my children, my wife, um, none of my extended family lives in Birmingham. Uh, I, my parents and one of my siblings, they're in South Carolina. I've got another sibling up around Washington, D.C., another sibling in uh, right around Chattanooga. So we're all over the place. So things like social media allow people to connect over long distances. And I think about even our current situation in the midst of the pandemic. I mean, if you didn't have technological means of connecting with people, think about how much more like people would even feel yeah. isolated. So I, I, those are some quick and easy pauses. What, what about you guys? What are some positives y'all can think of with regard to social media? Um, I really enjoy Twitter, and I'm sure we'll talk about what – social media platforms we do or don't use but for me one of the reasons that I like it is because I can literally follow anybody from around the world so I I especially Twitter I, I don't use it as much as like trying to keep up with family or friends because a lot of those people largely aren't tweeting they, they would probably be you know posting pictures on Instagram Twitter is cool because I can follow theologians pastors politicians celebrities musicians authors journalists, you know, psychologists. I I follow people that I don't agree with just to see what the conversations are. I follow atheists. Mm. I follow people that would believe, you know, much different things than I believe just to see what the cultural conversation is that's happening on this uh, platform. And sometimes those conversations are interesting and healthy and sometimes they're not so good for you but that but but for me I enjoy kind of the being able to create 
because it is kind of like a news feed to some degree. You're because people are talking about current events and things like that. So you're kind of creating your own little news station, if you will. Right. Well, it's interesting that you talk about um, following people that you don't agree with and getting to hear other voices. Because I think one of the common critiques of social media is that it's easy to form an echo chamber mm. where all you do yeah, is follow sure. people you agree yeah. with and you just constantly hear your own viewpoints articulated back to you. Well, and the social media platform uh, creates an environment where that's the case. So you continue to go back to it and you hear yeah. positive reaffirmation. So. I mean, algorithms are designed to see what accounts you're engaging with and what you like, and they are they will show you other accounts that have similar viewpoints. They just have these incredibly intelligent algorithms. So that's what happens, I think, a lot of times is people will like certain things, and then they'll be shown another account. So they're like, oh, I'm going to start following that person, and it does become an, become an echo chamber. So I try to avoid that as much as possible and... Uh, just very, very what I'm looking at so that I'm not just being fed the same thing over and over again. But I help, I think that helps build like, you know, arguments on certain things, like even theologically, like following, you know, Anglicans and uh, Baptists and Charismatics and, you know, people that are way more progressive uh, theologically. So I think that kind of helps you build a framework and helps you work through things that you believe in your own life, so you can see the other arguments that are happening. You know, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think that that can definitely be helpful. It's it's funny too to talking about the the algorithms and and how the platform tries to uh, figure out your preferences and what you like. They do that with advertising too, right? Oh yeah, for and, sure. Yeah. Uh, so I always find it very interesting to see what they think that I. Uh, I want <laughs> what what it is in my life that I want, you know, advertised to me. <laughs> Who is Jonathan Hafes to Facebook? <laughs> and sometimes they're scare they're eerily accurate. Um, other yeah. times it's really funny. Um, I remember one specific incident, uh, incident uh, where Brad, you, we were leaving for some trip. It was a trip, yeah. And I had a flat tire. Mm-hmm. And we started talking about like, oh no, a flat tire. Yeah, and we started <laughs> yeah. we started talking about. Um, an air pump and uh and the next time i opened instagram that's that's what that was my first ad yeah it was, it was for an air pump they're listening it's one of my not to go on a tangent one of my friends we're in the positives we're already getting negative i know you see our bent. <laughs> it's hard to it's hard yeah. <laughs> i'm but sorry guys it's me it's one, my fault one fun story that's ho- <laughs> absolutely horrifying <laughs> is i have a uh what a f- buddy of mine that worked at apple one of his coworkers. Uh, left his Facebook app open uh, overnight and uh, just uh, had a recording of someone speaking in Spanish the entire night. And the next day on Facebook, all of his ads were in Spanish. No. So that happened. <laughs> oh. All right, continuing positives. Jane, were there any more positives? That or was that? That's the one that I that I'll yeah. that I'll focus on. Well, I'd I'd written that down too. And for me, it's really cool. Um, we know that there are bad examples, but there are positive examples. And so to be able to follow pastors and theologians and to hear them tweet about different issues that are happening and see how someone responds to a moment that I have a lot of respect for, that's been really cool for me. Or if they uh, tweet or post about things that they've been reading and they say, hey, I've been reading this about politics. I've been reading this about the economy. I've been reading this about family. I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> uh, I have so much respect for this person. 
And so obviously I'm going to think through whatever they post, but nonetheless, like I've been exposed to a lot of really cool resources that I wouldn't have otherwise. And to Jonathan's point about connection, I've been able to direct message and talk with some of these people that have had a big influence on me through their work or through their preaching and so on and so forth. So I think that's definitely a, a positive. Now, once again, that, that can be a negative if we listen, if we listen to voices that are unwise, not for the sake of learning another position, but in kind of a posture of following and um, looking for kind of pastoral guidance, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, you, that's a positive. You mean letting them serve as a discipler. Yes. <laughs> right. you. Exactly. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, that's enough positives about social media. Let's get really <laughs> negative now. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, I've got one more. Okay. One more, qu- one more quick one. Uh, it can be a fun source of entertainment. Oh, for sure. For sure. So, Brad, are you referring to a specific platform you've recently joined? Well, I'll give two examples. Uh, one is I follow Phil Mickelson, the <laughs> golfer, on Instagram, and he just posts goofy videos. None of us are surprised right and now. And I, I probably should have picked someone else besides a golfer because I follow a bunch of different celebrities. But the fact that I get to see Phil Mickelson in his living room feeding his dog i'm like man this is amazing look at that phil mickelson is in his living room feeding his dog like that's just fun to me it can be a fun fun source of entertainment i i feel like i'm learning a whole new (laughs) thing about what you think is fun i think that's great annabeth reese would totally identify with me in this annabeth if you're listening yes please email (laughs) um i'm gonna send you a video of me feeding our dog later (laughs) but then uh you know as i'm someone that works with youth and so as someone who works with youth i thought you know i should get on tiktok justify for, this for, however for educational can. purposes yeah. Yeah, yeah and on tiktok you know there's a lot of there's a lot of nonsense a lot of garbage like my grandmother would say but yeah, a lot of trash a lot of trash yeah but there's also a lot of great content a lot of just funny goofy videos and it can it can be fun if a few people at Shades, we've started just messaging goofy videos to one another. And there have been moments when I've been super down and I just end up laughing out loud because of the ridiculousness. And so, I mean, that's fun. That's a good thing. Christians can have fun. We're, we're allowed. <laughs> you know, we can enjoy that and not feel guilty about it. I think, I think this entire podcast is, is evidence that, that that's a deep conviction of ours. <laughs> Okay. Which, by the way, if you hear anything loud in the background, they're uh, they're mowing the the grass outside. Oh, yeah. We're at doing the, this on the runway. The we're doing this on the <laughs> runway of an airport. If you were curious, we thought that would be a fitting location. Oh. Well. Okay. As I, I mean, said I'm before. sure there there are a lot of other positives. I was trying to think. Yeah. I know for me, as a musician, I think it it helps get uh, your band's name out there. I think that's one thing that's helped. And that was kind of my space really helped start all that. And then eventually it just went on to the other platforms. But I think if you're a musician or if you're a small business owner, for example, or like a, you know, someone that's in a more creative field where you are working for yourself, I mean, these are, this is a really great avenue for you to kind of be able to push what it is that you do and generate business and income, which is something that, you know, you would have to take an ad out for, or you would have to, you know, before social media, you would have to, I don't know, get a commercial on TV. You'd have to sign a major record deal to get noticed as a band. So I think Mm. those are things that in some ways have helped a lot of, uh, smaller businesses, people that work for themselves, things like that. For sure. That's cool. For sure. 
Well, as I said before, that's enough positive talk. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get negative. Stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. <laughs> oh, but seriously, uh, let's let's do discuss some of the the negatives that that we see or we have experienced uh, in, in our in our own lives uh, with regard to social media. And uh, my main thoughts that I've kind of jotted down there goes that jet <laughs> driving right by the window um, that that I've jotted down are, are kind of along the same lines of what I've already been talking about as far as uh, social media serving as a discipler of us, but. One of the reasons I think that that's a large problem uh, is because it replaces embodied, in-depth discipleship. Uh, those are two very important things to me. So embodied, in-depth discipleship. So what do I mean by embodied? Well, I, I think that we are meant to be discipled as Christians in real relationship with another person. Uh, that doesn't mean that things like books can't help us or articles or, or sermons uh, from people that we don't have that personal relationship with. But mm-hmm. I think that the primary source of discipleship we're meant to have is someone where we do life on life. Where I mean, one of the reasons you, you mentioned seeing Phil Mickelson feed his dog. One of the reasons that's really yes. cool, um, you know, or, or being able to follow any celebrity is it uh, it makes you feel like you know them. Yes. You know, it takes them from the upper echelon of celebrityism, and it's like, oh, they're a normal person too kind of thing. Right. Well, you know, discipleship is meant to happen in that context where you don't just get lectured by a person or taught by a person, but you actually get to see their life. You get to spend time with them. You get to go into their home. You get to, So mm-hmm. that embodied discipleship experience, you can't replace that digitally. That's one of the reasons that... Yeah. This pandemic has been so incredibly hard, I think, for churches, even in live streaming church services. I mean, we're all open and honest about the fact that a live stream can never replace embodied worship together yeah. with and a body. I, and I think it's been encouraging to me how many people have felt that. Yeah, you know, for at sure. the beginning of this, a lot of pastors had fear. Oh, this is going to lead to churches solely going online. And I just don't know anyone that's, I mean, I take that back. I'm sure there's someone <laughs> out there. But, I mean, for the most part, I just hear again, 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 I can't wait to get back together. Just to reinforce what you were saying about the importance of embodied Yeah, yeah, embodied worship, embodied discipleship. So you can't replace that digitally. And then in-depth discipleship. So, in other words, it really doesn't matter what social media platform you're talking about. For the most part, you're dealing with sound bites, you're dealing with clips, you're dealing with very short things. I mean, you may have links to larger articles and things of that nature, but for the most part, you're dealing with fast, quick information, even when you're dealing with spiritual things. You're, so a lot of times you're dealing with what I call bumper sticker theology, and, and generally bumper sticker theology is bad theology. Um, and it's just not the same kind of discipleship you can get with another person where you're going deep into the word, you can ask questions, there's an extended conversation, there all of those kinds of things. So so these are some of the negatives I think about social media becoming a a discipler of us. Not only that, but uh, also when it comes to the people who are discipling us through these platforms, social media changes the qualifications for earning a platform. Mm. It changes the qualifications for earning a platform. In other words, the, the comparison I would make would be, uh, you know, the video killed the radio star uh, yeah. song. 
so uh, the idea behind that being, you know, that when it was just radio, when there weren't music videos, what mattered was musical talent. But when all of a sudden music videos and visual became important, well, now all of a sudden you needed to be attractive too. You needed to be marketable. It wasn't just about are you the best musician there is, you know, and it, it killed off. Uh, there, there are tons of musicians who are maybe even more amazing, but they won't make it because they don't have the look. They don't have that persona. Yeah. They don't have whatever. Well, so social media does something similar when we start talking about who should be the authorities speaking to us, who should have that kind of weight when it comes to spiritual matters or life matters or, or whatever. You know, used to it be people had to earn a right to have that kind of voice, uh, whether it's through you know, theological training, going through a process to be hired for a particular position, whatever, mm. versus social media, the voices that get elevated are the ones that have the most popular personality, the most, yeah. po- the most charismatic personality, the most whatever. And so these, so often you'll get someone who maybe should not have any voice at all in your life on spiritual matters, on health matters on uh, politics on whatever Mm -hmm. but they can talk really well Mm. and they're really charismatic and they can be persuasive and so it i'm not not saying that's true of every single person on social media or or any of that i mean there are people who have social media accounts who have very much earned their platforms and all that but i'm just saying that's one of the things yeah that can be um a negative well, you about to say something? yeah, I was, as you were talking, I was just thinking in a lot of ways, you're the one that's in charge of your discipleship as John Mark was talking about, like making your own, uh, sort of page in some sense in regards to like what you like and what you respond to and so on and so forth. Uh, if there's, you pick a voice and then that voice says something that you don't like, well then maybe you listen to another voice and then you find someone else that, Oh yeah, well I like what this person says. And then, uh, that person says something you disagree with or you get angry with, and so maybe you unfollow them or you block them, and you're kind of just like creating your own experience. And that is a that's uh, very different from submitting to a local church mm-hmm. and to committing yourself there through the things you agree with and, and disagree with, uh, sitting under someone and vulnerability and honesty and where they really know you and you know them. So I mean, how prophetic was Paul? In his warning to Timothy, there will come a time when people will heap up for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Mm. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and, and and we can all be guilty of that. It's sure. not just through social media that you can do that. You can do that through your curated reading list or, mm-hmm. or even through a local church. If your idea of being a part of a local church is as soon as this one doesn't, you know, as soon as they say something I don't like, I'm going to leave and find someone who does. Right, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, but uh, but I think the nature of the platform lends itself to that, and that's that's a potential a potential negative there. And then on on just a more personal level, mm-hmm. um, of of the individual, I, you know, I I do a lot of counseling uh, with a lot of people, and social media comes up a lot, mm-hmm. a lot, and it comes up in the way that it it breeds discontentment. Um, and it encourages coveting. Mm-hmm. Um, so you become discontent with your own life because you're constantly comparing it to other people's. Um, 
you covet what the other people have, whether that's their relationship. So, so one of the easy ways I see this all the time is uh, for singles who are friends with a bunch of married people with kids on social media, they see an idealized version of married life with children and, and they feel like they're missing out on that. And then I have married people come sit in my office who have single friends on social media and they're getting the idealized picture of single life of travel and this, that, and the other. And, and yeah. they're like, it's like an episode of friends out there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and you know, so I got, I got, you know, single people, you know, wishing for marriage, married people over here, wishing they had more freedom of singleness, married, married with kids, looking at married couples that don't have kids. Oh that's, yeah. That's a thing too. Yeah, mm. for sure. <laughs> um, and so it just, it breeds that discontentment. It can make you feel left out. And we can talk about FOMO, right? Yeah, Fear that's of what I was going to say. FOMO. Yeah, yeah. So it's you're seeing one. close friends of yours have a dinner party with somebody else. So I see Brad and John Mark, you know, hanging out, having a dinner party. And <laughs> yeah. I didn't even get the invite. And right. all of a sudden my feelings are hurt. And, mm-hmm. you yes. know. Um, it's happened so many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially during this Sorry. pandemic. Sorry about that, Jonathan. So, so many times. So many times. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so I yeah. mean, I think that that's definitely uh, a part of it. I, I actually, I'm going to chase this rabbit just a second longer. Go I, ahead. I, I actually thought about this for a while. I was like, you know, pre-social media, I would sit down with friends and we would look at pictures of like when somebody went on a trip or somebody went on a vacation. And I don't uh, yeah. I don't remember mm. that causing the same kind of jealousy and discontentment as I ha- I have personally felt with social media. I'm like, "Why? Why is that?" And here's my best theory. I uh, this could be completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but here's my theory. My theory is that Brad, you go on this trip, you come back and we sit down and look at pictures you're showing me your pictures of when you went to Israel or something like that. Um I I even though you went on that trip at the moment we're sitting down, we're together. We're in the same kind of boring, dull moment. Um, looking at boring pictures, looking at boring <laughs> pictures, <laughs> but getting to talk like we're sharing that moment. It's you yeah. and me together mm. sharing that moment, talking about things, interacting over that versus if I had the same experience through social media, when I'm looking at social media, I'm not in the midst of what we'd call an awesome moment. I'm usually bored, yep. and I'm usually by myself, and I'm looking yep. at you in the midst of your awesome moment. Mm. And not just yes. you, all <laughs> the people who are posting. So everybody's <laughs> doing awesome things but me. Yes. You know, and I, I think that that's part of what lends itself like to, to causing those feelings. Yeah. So... Okay, so I went on for forever about negative. Well, well, no, well, to add to that too, I think a lot of times unknowingly we go on social media to kind of medicate ourselves in some way to make ourselves feel better, um, mm. to uh, disconnect from difficult things that are going on, and so we go to social media when we're not in a great mental space, and we look for this thing to give us something and then we go there and we're given a narrative that just reinforces the crappiness that we already feel about ourselves. (laughs) Just makes you more angry or sad or whatever it is, whatever feeling you have. Yes, exactly. Um, Were there, were there any other uh, negatives you guys wanted to Couldn't think, couldn't think of any more. (laughs) Um, No one. And Jonathan, you mentioned this uh, briefly, but, 
uh, it can be addictive. Yeah. Uh, and not only can it be addictive, designed to be. And that's what I, you took the words out oh, of. Oh, sorry, mouth. sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, that was my moment. Now you know that was my moment. No, totally designed to be. So uh, I can remember reading an article. Uh, that was very powerful, Brad. <laughs> uh, I remember reading an article by Philip Yancey, and Yancey in the article is lamenting how he doesn't read as deeply as he once did, that his attention span is shorter, and that he finds himself uh, reading these short articles online rather than sitting down and working through these difficult novels or so on and so forth. And in the article, I wrote it down so I could read it. Uh, He writes uh, that neuroscientists have an explanation for this phenomenon. When we learn something quick and new, we get a dopamine rush. MRI brain scans show the brain's pleasure centers lighting up. In a famous experiment, rats kept pressing a lever to get that dopamine rush, choosing it over food or sex. In humans, emails also satisfy that pleasure center, as do Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. A 2016 report calculates that the average American devotes more than 10 hours per day to consuming media, including radio, TV, and all electronic devices. That constitutes 65% of waking hours, leaving little time for the much harder work of focused concentration on reading. And I imagine that those numbers are probably higher now. (laughs) Um, Oh, for sure. Than they were. But I think it's uh, worth realizing that these social media platforms are designed to keep you there. Right. Um, it, it's very comparable to casino, right? Yes. You know, like and I, casinos have no windows, no clocks. Yes. To keep you there. Yes. And um, I think I remember hearing this. This could be wrong. <laughs> that some social media companies have brought in people that uh, work on slot machines or design slot machines. Right. To uh, help them design platforms that will keep people there. There's a, uh, oh, there's a great book on this. And I am blanking on the title. Why did I say there's a great book on this? I think it's called Irresistible. And it talks about addiction. And then it talks about how these social media platforms are addicting. We'll have the link at the bottom of the podcast because I can't remember it right now. Um, But I don't know. Yancey's article, that's just, it was very, it was a very kind of sobering moment for me Mm. that uh, not only can these sites be addicting, but that are kind of daily going on social media and quickly looking through things is shortening our attention span and shortening how we receive and process information and is changing the way that we actually view reality around us. Yeah, you, you get addicted to that constant need for, for that stimulation your brain does for that new, the new thing, the next thing, the next thing. Yes. I, I remember the thing that kind of... Uh, woke me up to the fact that that was happening uh-huh. to me was when I realized uh, one screen wasn't enough. I was mm. dual screening. Like, <laughs> like, 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 like in other words, yeah. anytime I would sit down to watch something yeah. on TV, I was also on my phone, yeah. like mm. constantly throughout it. And, and I was like, what is going on that I don't yeah. even have the attention span? I know. To watch a movie or a show, a twenty-minute show. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm. Some actor comes on, 
And I'm like, oh, I've seen you know him or her before, and so I'm on IMDb immediately, right. like, trying to figure out where I've seen them, and yeah. I'm just like, why? Why do I need that? I don't yeah. need that. Yeah, yeah. I hate trying to watch a movie and then somebody else watching the movie with me is on their phone. I just can't stand that. I'm like, you're missing it. You're missing things. Yeah. You're going to be asking me questions in a few minutes. I mean, my initial response to the to that article is mm. it's scary. Yeah, <laughs> that are yeah. that are. That we could be almost reprogramming our brains and and like the experiment that you mentioned, we're basically just sitting there on Twitter or on Instagram, we're just swiping to the next thing. Like, and um, the last <clears throat> the last few weeks for me personally, I ordered a bunch of books probably a month, a month and a half ago, and I've been what re- are could you what are books? Could you <laughs> <laughs> I've been That's reading a, a lot at night. And one thing about that you mentioned about dual screening is that it's very hard to read a book and also read your phone at the same time. <laughs> uh, you really can't do that. And and That's I feel like point. it's a really good practice for at <laughs> night too, because one one of the things you'll read a ton is that being on a screen for yeah. like right before you go to bed is like the worst thing you can yeah, do for your and sleep. I, and I definitely do that a lot too. But I think reading a book though for like an hour or something at night after the kids are to bed has it's really helped me a lot. Just it's it's a very calm thing for me. I don't there's no noise. I don't have the TV on. I try to put the phone to the side and I'm just reading this book and I'm not getting this, you know, I'm not just searching through all the n- most recent tweets that somebody has said and I'm trying yeah. to look at all the arguments against and for that tweet yeah. it's like no, I'm like invested in this in reading something. You're engaging you're engaging in something, in something that someone Meaningful. took years to write. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Like it had it, was, it had to go through an editor and a publisher <laughs> and um could you imagine? Uh it, I I don't know if this is true for you guys, but one of the things I have found too is that when I am disengaging from my phone more and more, so like in the evening if I put it to the side and all that, I actually am a more patient person too. Oh, for sure. Like mm-hmm. with my kids, for I'll be sure. way more patient. I'll engage them more. Like I think about the fact that, you know, I mean, all of us, we grew up with, with parents that did not have cell phones while we were growing up. Right. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, I don't want my kids' like memory of me to be 50% I'm staring at my phone, you know? I know. It's a scary thought for sure. Yeah. It's very sobering. Yeah. All right. I do have another negative. I don't know if you're ready to move on, John. <laughs> I, I mean, like, this, I don't know, know how we're doing on time. It's really, it's, it's really, but, can I, do our listeners think we've just pounded this into the ground? <laughs> We have so much more to say. Um, so I think that the the other negative that I have is that it can shape us to be people who speak foolishly. Mm. Now let me explain what I mean by that. Preach. The book of Proverbs reveals that there's a wise way to speak and there is a foolish way to speak. The fool speaks in a certain way and the wise person speaks in a certain way. And the wise person not only speaks in a certain way, but they also listen in a certain way. And the fool listens in a certain way. And if you look and you read the Proverbs about uh, the wise person who speaks wisely, it almost goes against the kind of culture of speech that we find on social media. So the, the wise person does not speak out of an unrighteous anger and a pride. Uh, the wise person doesn't say, you know what? I just need to say this. 
Um, mm. The wise person thinks carefully about their words. The wise person understands the power of their words. Jonathan spoke about that earlier. Um, the wise person listens well. Uh, the wise person speaks with a, yes, a conviction, uh, but a humility. Um, and the wise person, and I think, oh, we could have a long conversation about this, but the Proverbs talks about a right word at a right time. Right. So you can have a right word and you can say that word at a wrong time. Mm. Um, easy, easy example of that yeah, is I, t- I tell people all the time, uh, a funeral is not the place to correct theology. Like, like, in other words, people say things at funerals yes. all the time that are completely incorrect, uh, according to Scripture. That is not the moment to go, um, excuse me, uh, ne- yes. ne- need to correct your uh, theology real quick. Right. Yeah. Totally. Might be the right word. Yes. Totally the wrong time. Yes. But often in, I mean, on social media, there's no real context. You're, you're just speaking out to a people that are in a variety of different contexts. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so... Uh, there's a professor by the name of Alan Jacobs. He's at Baylor University, and he wrote kind of eight points that go against the culture of social media when it comes to our speech. And I'll just read a few of them. But as I'm reading it, I feel like a lot of these things that he is saying embodies the wisdom of Proverbs and how we are to speak. Yet, when you put it in the context of social media, it sounds so countercultural. Mm. So, for instance, I don't have to say something because everyone around me is. I don't have to speak about things I know. Oh, hold on. Let me say this again. I don't have to speak about things I know little or nothing about. I don't have to speak about things I know little or nothing about. Hmm. I don't have to speak about issues that will be totally forgotten in a few weeks or months by the people who at this moment are the most strenuously demanding a response. I don't have to spend my time in environments that press me to speak without knowledge. If I can bring, excuse me, if I can bring to an issue heat but no light, it's probably best that I remain silent. Here's another one. Here's the last one I'll do. I'll do two more. Private communication can be more valuable than public. Right. And And last one. Go ahead. Delayed communication made when people have had time to think and calm their emotions is almost always more valuable than immediate reaction. Mm. Yeah. And it's I, a lot to take in there. Yeah. Well, and I think, <laughs> I think, I think the important thing to, to, to point out there is I, I don't think he nor we are saying um, that a lot of the conversations that happen on social media shouldn't happen. Sure. Um, but that there's, there's a wise way to approach, especially, you know, for, for us as believers, uh, we have a responsibility to approach our conversations as wisely as possible, no matter where we're having them, privately, publicly, through a social media platform or, or not. There are things that we need to, to consider for sure. Yes, totally. Well... I think that's probably enough negatives. And let JM, did you have anything uh, you wanted to, to throw on this dumpster fire? Those are all really good. <laughs> those are all really good negatives. So we could probably move on. Oh, well, Bradford, I thought that maybe we could conclude this conversation uh, by we talked about positives, talked about negatives. So maybe we could talk about how can Christians responsibly use 
social media because the three of us sitting right here in this room we all use social media differently use or don't use social media differently mm-hmm. so i thought maybe um each of us could take a moment to talk about uh the way we use or don't use social media and why um that maybe some things we've learned from mistakes we've made or things we've learned that have been helpful to us i, I i'm by no means trying to put the three of us forward as like we, we're the prime examples of how you should use social media speak for yourself jonathan (laughs) (laughs) but i don't i don't think that there's one answer to this like i don't think the answer is christian don't use social media or christian you have to use social media and here's how so i was just thinking because the three of us approach it so differently and have our own reasons and things we've learned that that might be helpful for people thinking through well how should i use social media Mm. how should i approach it so just thought we'd end by each of us kind of sharing what each of us do. Yeah, why don't you get us started, Thanks. boss? <laughs> <laughs> well, so w- one of the people that was really helpful for me uh, in thinking through my use of social media uh, was uh, Cal Newport. Uh, he's he's a professor. Um, I, I didn't even look up anything before we came on here, so I can't even remember where he teaches or what. But he wrote a book <laughs> that I read uh, called Deep Work. And uh, the I I don't think Newport's a, a believer, um, but the uh, the whole kind of purpose of the book is how can you uh, do what you're best at in the best way? Like mm. so many of us waste just tons of our time on things we probably shouldn't even be doing within our vocations, within our uh, private lives, whatever. So so how can you do the deep work? as it were. And he has a whole section dedicated to social media. He actually has a whole book now, I haven't read it yet, but called Digital Minimalism. Um, mm. That's a whole book dedicated to this topic. Uh, but in the book, he basically talks about social media as a tool. Mm-hmm. And it's like, tools are designed for a purpose. And so the question you need to ask is, what's the purpose for which I'm using this? And is it the most effective tool to help me do that? If not, then why am I using it kind of thing? And so as I ask myself kind of those questions, what's my purpose? Is it helping me do that? Is it actually acting against that? For me, I I came to answer most of those questions in the negative. So I actually began probably two years ago the process of withdrawing more and more from social media. And I would even have whole periods of time where I would be off the platforms. uh, And then I would come back and I would try to set for myself maybe some different ideas, rules about ways to practice using it to do it in a more healthy way. But eventually I withdrew more and more until the point that uh, I am now completely off of all social media platforms. And when I say completely off, I don't mean I've disabled all of my accounts. (laughs) I mean I have permanently deleted all of my accounts. Um, You're off the web. I'm off. I'm off. I would have to... uh, I would have to create new usernames and start over from ground zero to get to get back to tweeting or, or posting or what have not. Even though Jonathan is off, I can confirm he is still physically present in the room with us. <laughs> I do still <laughs> exist. He does exist. Just As wanted a human to being. And and full disclosure, I do have access to Shades Valley's uh, Instagram account. So it's not like I can't see anything at all if I needed to or wanted to or whatever. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't want to like be over here. I am so holy because I am. Uh, and that, that is one of the things that I think is dangerous with being uh, off of social media is that can develop its own source of pride. 
you know. Yeah, so I, totally. I want to fight against that in my life. Yeah. But but I'll just share kind of a couple of my reasons that I have personally taken that path, and I don't think this means every Christian on the planet needs to take this path. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a pastor. I don't think that means every Christian needs to pastor. Uh, you, you know, all those things. Yeah. But so the reasons I've taken this, one is mental health. I think there's pretty well-documented evidence about the negative effects that social media can have on mental health. And we've talked about some of those right here. And I, I think for me in my own experience, I, I, it, it kind of exacerbated mental health issues I already struggle with. I've been very open about the, the fact that I struggle with depression. And I think that can be aggravated to a certain extent mm. uh, by, by social media usage. Uh, I've also chosen to withdraw to help keep me from sin. Um, I've found that I covet more. Uh, I get angry more, un- unrighteously. I all of those things. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, um, sometimes there are things in my life where the, the they present a, a temptation for sin, and I need to keep that thing in my life. So I need to just learn how to fight in that arena. But this isn't one of those for me. Um, I I can just cut it out altogether. Um, One of the reasons I withdrew was I wanted to reinvest that time in other things. Uh, Just like we talked about, I found myself reading less. I wanted to reinvest in in reading more. Um, I wanted to reinvest time in my personal relationships. I wanted to pursue personal conversations more uh, instead of kind of disembodied, impersonal conversations. I wanted to pursue that that more. Um, and then honestly, uh, with regards to connection with people who aren't as regularly in my life. So like my family, I mentioned all of my family lives out of town. Uh, I just, I committed to finding other ways, other methods of keeping in contact with them, uh, in uh, other than social media. Cause I think that that is one of the lies that we buy into is this, I'm not going to be able to stay in contact with the people I need to stay in contact with if I'm not on social media. And I just don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've found ways to stay in contact with all of my close out-of-town friends, with yeah. my family. Um, and and I, I, I honestly think that often social media keeps us in contact with people we probably shouldn't be in contact with. I mean, there is mm. a really weird voyeuristic side to social media where there are people you haven't talked with in years, but you know what they did for breakfast yesterday. Like that's just kind of strange, you know? Um, and, uh, and we've normalized that kind of thing. And I think there, there's a potentially unhealthy aspect to that of just constantly peering into people's lives that I'm disconnected from. Mm. So, so those are a lot of the reasons that I personally chose to withdraw. I don't think, again, let me reiterate before we get emails. I don't think that means everybody needs to withdraw. Mm. Um, but I do think we need to think carefully about why we use it, what we're using it for, what our goal is, and and really make sure that's that's how we're engaging the platform. So for me, this just became the the healthiest approach so mm. you guys are still on so so let's talk about <laughs> let's, let's talk That's about right. the the ways that you guys uh have found that have been helpful um yeah. for you and, and healthier for you to to engage uh in social media platforms 
I'll go first because I'm sure Brad's is really good and Jonathan's is really hard to follow. So um, I don't really have like a particular philosophy on how I use social media. We can develop one right now. <laughs> let's, let's work it out right here. I, all I will say is everything that I'm going to say is probably pretty practical. But number one, I think if you are married uh, – a good a good way to use social media is just really just have open conversations with your spouse about how that works out for your family because uh, we were we were joking before we recorded the podcast just about like you know being around our spouse or our spouse being around us while we're using social media and so I think those are important conversations to have. You know, does it bother you when I'm on uh, Instagram at night yeah, when like, it's the only like, time you, we have to spend with each other? Yeah, like those types of like, things. Like, do you feel neglected? Yeah. You feel neglected. Yeah, totally. um, is it, you know, because it is such a way to be disengaged. So it's like, do I need to be disengaged right now in this moment? Is, could I be doing this at a different time? So you need to you need to figure that out, you know, if, especially if you have family and, and things like that, you're married. Um, if you're single, I think, you know, you just... You just need to figure out how what's a good amount of time that I can put towards this per day. I was listening to this podcast actually earlier in preparation for this, and it was this pastor's podcast with it was like Jonathan Lehman and Mark Dever. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both pastors, and they were just talking. It was like a real quick thing. They were just talking about pastoring and uh, social media use and all this stuff. And Mark said something to the effect of, uh if we take away one hour of our day towards Twitter, that leaves 23. Twitter is not going to give us that, that hour back. Like we're basically giving that away to social media. So I think those, mm-hmm. that's an important thing to think about. Like you are giving away that time and you're not going to get it back. You're not, it's not this um, relational thing where Twitter can, you know, reinvest in you per se. Um, in, in certain degrees. And so mm-hmm. I think that's a really important thing to remember. For me, I, I try to keep a limit on that, and I don't always do a good job, and some seasons are better seasons. You know, Some seasons I've deleted ins- the Instagram app, and I've just said, you know, yeah. I just need to take a break mm-hmm. for a little bit. So those, are, so those are things that you can do. And then I think in terms of like how you interact with social media, if you have Instagram or Twitter, before you send something, just really just think about what you're about to post, especially if it's mm. controversial in any way or maybe you're really heated in a moment. You've had some some things personally going on in your life. Maybe just don't send it right away. Maybe if it's a tweet, write it out in a notepad and look at it and say, is this a smart thing for me to send <laughs> right now? Is so, this going to help me in the long run or is it going to cause more issues? Oh, I, yes. I think this is what's called the tattoo principle. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. You don't just go into a tattoo shop and pick something and put it on your body. That's good. You, you got to stare at it for a little while. So maybe we should all think of mm. social media posts like tattoos on the internet. That's good. <laughs> and then one other practical thing, yeah. I feel like there are so many social media mediums. So for me, I really yeah. only interact with Instagram and Twitter. Um, I have a Facebook. I never use it. Uh, sometimes I'll log in after a few months and I'll have like a message or two in there, but I really just don't use it. So maybe are LinkedIn. Are you on LinkedIn? <laughs> I'm not. I've gotten All a right. lot of requests for LinkedIn. It's, a, it's addictive. Watch out. Is it? <laughs> I, don't know. I know nothing about LinkedIn. Dude, dude. Um, that was a dumb joke. Oh. So I don't know. I, I feel like if you can just pick like one or two that you really enjoy, I feel like if you're on like three or four or five different ones, I mean, 
I don't know. That just feels like so much commitment and time mm. to a bunch of different applications that at the think at the end of the day it's just like oh that's not important enough to have be on that many you know but and as, that's for me as someone who's not on any let me assure you that if something of real <laughs> import in, importance happens on social media you will still know about it that's um, true <laughs> when kanye announced that he was running for president the other day i'm sure a lot of people heard about it even though they didn't see it on twitter so <laughs> but but no seriously like, well that is a major reason why people say i have to be on right because i won't know what's going on in the world i won't be able to be relevant i i still get text you know from people and and they'll send me you know whether it's the latest funny tiktok video they saw or you know whether it's that kanye's announced his presidential <laughs> bid you know i mean people yeah. people well, that stuff comes up in normal conversation and text and and all of that and so like i i don't feel even though I'm not on social media, I do not feel uninformed or like I'm constantly out of the loop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty much it for me, I think. No, that's good. Bradford? So, so personally, uh, I am essentially an old person. <laughs> uh, I think is to put it in simple terms. I'm on social media, but I never post anything on <laughs> any social media site that I'm on. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you can go to my Twitter. There are no tweets. Yeah, I'll but, follow you. You never tweet. But I never tweet anything. But how's your career Don't, as a TikTok dancer I just, going? <laughs> have, have, have you started yeah. posting there? Lots of, lots of dance videos over here. <laughs> um, no. And so I'd like to say that uh, this kind of came from deep conviction and thoughtful reflection, but I, it's just kind of a pattern that I got into. And I'm on a decent amount i'd say kind of a normal amount but i just i don't post anything unless it's my wife's birthday i normally post a picture of us and then say something sweet it would be Um, amazing i don't it would be amazing if your entire like instagram feed was nothing but annual pictures (laughs) from your wife's birthday and your anniversary like that's all it was two pictures a year Uh, yeah and so here's what i will say about that and and this is just me but I've become okay with not saying anything. And I feel like there can be kind of a negative vibe towards people that have social media accounts but never say anything or post anything. Like, oh, they have an account, but they never post anything. Or, mom, you got that account, but you never say anything. It's almost like they're doing something wrong. (laughs) Like, if you're going to be on here, then you need to be speaking on it. And I think I've kind of always felt that pressure or like I was doing something wrong for not posting anything. But like if you're on social media and you don't post anything, that's okay. And I think for me as a pastor, I've felt a pressure to speak into situations often. And many times I haven't know I haven't known what to say or I've started uh, typing something only to erase it. But I think I've come to a place, at least right now, where I'm comfortable with letting my public word uh, be in my sermons, be in conversation with friends, be in conversation with anyone that wants to sit down and have coffee with me, to be in groups, to be in classes that I teach, to when I interact with the youth, all of that. Um, I want to stand for truth. I want to say things that I think may be offensive, but yet the Bible says it. I want to stand for those things. Like I'm okay with people being angry or upset with me, and I've determined that I'm going to let my voice be in these areas. And so I don't think to not post something is to not speak into 
our culture today. And I think it, I think actually it's almost a little scarier to say, Hey, you're not going to have a voice in this culture or you're not going to have a voice period unless you post something through social media. That's just kind of a, that's almost a little bit of a scary statement for me. Um, and maybe just something that we can think about. So that's just me personally. Right. Well, I mean, I, 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 I think it's a completely untrue statement to yeah. say that that's the only way that you have a voice. Because what you just described is that you do use your voice through the platforms that God has graced you with, through the platforms that you've earned, where you've earned a voice. Mm. You, you have respect in those relationships, yeah. uh, in those groups. Um, you know, as a pastor, uh, the the Lord has given you the opportunity to preach and to speak uh, not on your own authority, mm. but from the authority of of the Word of God, and and you're speaking yeah. through platforms where you have time to reflect and 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 honestly speaking in ways that that aren't uh, a flash in the pan that have potential for longer term impact. Mm. I don't again. I don't think this means no one should ever speak out about anything. Well, and that was going to be my, yeah, that was going to be my next statement. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Once I love, I love people that post things. I love, that's why I'm on there wa- looking at those things for friends and from theologians that I respect and pastors. Like I'm all for that. Go post tweet. You do you 100%. Uh, I think I got a little defensive because I felt like it's a countercultural position. <laughs> right. Right. They right. gets uh, attacked sometimes, but no, totally. Yeah, I think I think that just as Christians, if we're going to do that, if 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 like you feel, well, social media is the place where I can get my voice out there and I can stand for truth and I can do these yes. things. This this is the avenue that I have. I, I'm not saying at all. I don't think any of us are saying, well, don't do that. Blah, blah. I, I think what I would say is uh, do it thoughtfully. Do it in a way that's distinctly Christian. Yes. You know, yes. Do totally. It, do it in a way that promotes. Uh, love and peace and uh, genuine dialogue and conversation um you know and and do it in a way that promotes and pursues relationship yes totally so so yeah 100% i i, I wouldn't i wouldn't again i wouldn't want anyone to like come away from this uh thinking that we're saying you shouldn't ever be on social media or that you shouldn't you know post uh no, for sure if you feel led to about any number of of issues no totally i think that the lord leads us all to use our voices uh, in different areas and yes. in the ways that he has gifted us to use our voices. John yes. Mark uh, uses his voice in songwriting, uh, and that's a gift there. Mm. Uh, th- I use my voice in preaching. Um, Brad does too. Some people use their voice in writing and writing books and blogs. Um, I, I, I think that there's all sorts of different avenues. Some people yeah. lead marches. Some people march in marches. Mm. Yeah. Know? Um, some people are the theologians behind the marches. Uh, I remember if you if if y'all listened to our conversation with Doctor Smith from a couple of weeks ago, uh, that was something that he talked about. Was uh, he talked about how he uh, didn't personally march, um, but he said that I marched in my pulpit and and talked about different ways that he was active uh, within the civil rights movement in the sixties and and so yeah. I just I just think there's wisdom there in acknowledging. Um, that the Lord equips us and calls us differently and gives us different avenues in which to, to use our, yes. our voice. And whatever that avenue is, songwriting, preaching, social media, hmm. we need to use it in a distinctly Christian way, in a way that the Proverbs promote as wise. Totally. That's such a good word for everyone. And the second thing that I'll just say that I think is a word 
for everyone is, and John Mark, you alluded to this a little bit, but the idea of having boundaries around social media. Mm. Um, I think, like we've said, our fear from this conversation is that people would listen and like kind of feel guilty about social media and be like, oh, I need to be on there less. And then the next day, just go back to whatever the habits were. Like, that's not the goal. I think it's rather an invitation to reflect on our daily practices and how they have a shaping effect on us. And I think one of the things that is clear about social media, and maybe if I can broaden it a little bit, our devices that we have, is that they are very powerful. Mm -hmm. Very powerful. Um, And to go back to the designers, they know this. Steve Jobs was interviewed and the interviewer asked him how his kid liked the new iPad. And Steve Jobs said, I don't know. He doesn't have the iPad. And the interview was like, what? You know, like, <laughs> just totally shocked. Uh, there are schools in Silicon Valley that don't have any devices. And a lot of the leaders of these tech companies send their kids to these schools. <laughs> it's almost like they know the power of what they are making. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, once again, that's not to, to shame or guilt, but it's just to acknowledge, hey, these things are powerful. And so, if they are powerful, um, then we need to have boundaries around them. We acknowledge that cars are powerful and that there's right and wrong ways to drive cars. And we have a lot of boundaries placed around cars to ensure that we handle them safely, right? And so, the same with social media. A great book that I would uh, encourage you to read is um, TechWise Family by Andy Crouch. And I've tried to incorporate some of the practices that he recommends it's it's challenging it's hard it is uh, countercultural, but it it's good one of the things that he says it's easy to remember is he says there needs to be at least one hour out of the day where you're not on any of your devices one day out of the week that's a hard one where you're not on devices social media so on and so forth and then another big one one week out of the year so for him, it would be a vacation. Right. And he goes on his family. He basically just doesn't interact with his phone or on at least on social media. And he and uh, <clears throat> I read a portion of that book. I haven't finished it, but uh-huh. uh, he was talking about uh, not only devices but like television too. I think. Right. Yes. Right. It was yeah. like kind of just cutting the cord basically totally. to, to all Screens, of those things. I think he would screen say. time. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's harder for me because vacation. Right. I'm like, yeah, I'm TV like, hey, let's time. Watch some movies. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful mountain view. Close the blinds. Turn on the TV. <laughs> Don't care go. about the beach. Sorry, ocean. Giant body of water that's beautiful. It is How did not. it get here? <laughs> uh, I want to catch up on this Amazon show. So, <laughs> Yes, the chief of sinners over here as I talk, for sure. Um, but no, Crouch's words, they're, they're challenging to me. And I think there's a lot of wisdom there. And the, Oh, the other thing that he says uh, is uh, your devices need to go to bed before you do and they need to wake up after you do and so he doesn't Solid. he doesn't have you know devices in in the bedroom and that's a habit that i've gotten to is first thing or last thing i do before i go to bed is i'm looking on my phone first thing i do when i wake up is i take my phone and i'm looking at it and i can remember when he said like okay no devices in the bedroom i was like are you kidding me <laughs> like that is crazy and then i had this moment that i was like oh my gosh <laughs> who have i become they own me um so yeah i mean that's uh once again 
we don't want to become legalistic with these practices and say this is what everyone needs to do and this is what responsibility does. But I think what these practices do is they encourage all of us to look at our own practices once again and to say, okay, what boundaries can I set for myself? What boundaries can I set for my family so that we can use our devices, we can use social media in a way that's healthy, in a way that glorifies God, and in a way in which we aren't owned by it, but rather use it for his purposes in his kingdom. Yeah. I think a good note to close on is just the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12, where he says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. So just kind of that idea of like yeah. when implying it to this conversation is, I mean, all things are lawful for me. I mean, ha- having these devices, using these devices, being on social media platforms, it's, it's fine. But reflectively asking the question of when does it become unhelpful or is this dominating me? Mm. And, and if so, what boundaries do I need to put in place in order to use this wisely for my good and for the glory of of God and his kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. This has been beautiful. I've really enjoyed this conversation today, fellas. And if you enjoyed it as well, make sure to email us at midweek at shadesvalley.org. Maybe there are some cool practices that you have in your own life on how you use social media. Uh, By the way, follow us on Instagram. And Twitter. At Shades Valley. And TikTok. And, and Facebook. <laughs> We're definitely on Facebook. LinkedIn. MySpace. Shades Valley does not have, we a, have TikTok. a We have a YouTube. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, uh, I was thinking, we mentioned a bunch of books, so it may be cool. Uh, pay attention after you listen to this uh, later this week. I'll post uh, some stuff to Instagram stories, maybe some books and resources that would be helpful. Um, that'll be a good, helpful way to use social media. Yeah. Point hey. you to read something. <laughs> That somebody worked on for a really long period of time. So, yeah, this has been great. You guys have anything else? No. I think that's it. Well, we thank you for joining us. This has been another episode of Shades Midweek. We'll see you next time.